0: everyone still looks uncomfortable perhaps it all remembered that old
1: saying power the Second Officer Slog, Episode Thirteen. I am M. I am Jackson. And we're here to talk about another episode of Discovery. It seems like we were here just a week ago talking about an episode of Discovery, and yet here we are today talking about an episode of Discovery. Uh, I don't know what you mean. It seems like the last
0: episode of Discovery, and seven years ago at this point.
1: <laughs> uh, no, that's not true.
0: These weeks have been
1: long. Uh, I feel like we literally just did one of these, and I we did a week ago. <laughs>
0: Both of those things can be true at once.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I actually felt like last week was a better week than most of my weeks have been in the last six months. So, maybe uh, your mileage enough. may vary. Right, here we go. I have continued to not watch the Orville. Beautiful. I'm yeah, no, happy. maybe i have just done. Maybe I just don't have to care. No, Oh, I also, to today it was announced Discovery is getting a second season. Yes, today. We have the announcement.
0: Season two is a- coming, presumably in 2019, because that was announced you yeah, know that's going to take time. Yeah, because there was a story a few weeks ago going. We know what we want to do for season two. Uh, it'll happen in probably twenty nineteen. It's just a matter of if if it gets approved or not. And now it has been confirmed um, because apparently lots of people are signing up for the thing to watch the Star Trek. Let's see how much that drops off the second it goes. Let's away. let's see
1: how much money they throw at them to make it faster when everybody logs off immediately after Star Trek ends. Uh, I bet they are. No, you gotta you gotta hit those gotta hit those new season dates. What if you could actually give us Star Trek in the fall of 2018? I would be happy. You would be happy. I don't think the production crew is going to be happy, but maybe they'd be fine with it.
0: Uh, I don't think that'll actually happen.
1: I think that'd be asking a lot. Yeah, no, no, for sure.
0: I think it would be more likely that they'd make another. I think it is more likely that we get a second Star Trek show than you get
1: more Discovery quicker. I don't think that they're going to try to make a second Star Trek show. Are you kidding me?
0: I mean, I don't think that, but I think not that, not
1: like not within the next three years. Like this show would have to be successful for at least four seasons for them to make another Star Trek show. I think that in a
0: world in which uh this show is so expensive, if you wanted to make something like get people to watch something quicker, you do a smaller, cheaper spin-off. Oh, Starfleet
1: Academy. Yeah,
0: like I don't know. It'll be bad, but that seems like the yeah, TV way.
1: I'm, it'd be fucking bad. I don't want to watch Fear the Walking Dead, Jackson. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Fear the discovery. <laughs> fear the trekking stars fear the vulcan dead like we have in this episode a exploded vulcan jackson we're here to talk about discovery episode six Um, i I mean not after that segue we're not (laughs) yes we are yes we are yes we are okay fine fine let's do the details yeah why don't you tell us the details
0: why don't i tell us the details good question fuck you uh, this is episode 6 of Discovery. It aired 22nd of October 2017. It is called Lethe? 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 Lethe. Yes, I didn't know.
1: Merriam-Webster told me it was Lethe. I would have assumed it was Lethe, but no, Merriam-Webster said Lethe, so there you go. There we
0: go. Uh, it is written by Joe Minoski and Ted Sullivan and directed by... shit. Uh...
1: <laughs> you know these aren't getting edited. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Douglas uh, Arnie-Akoski? Um, yes, that's what I would say, Arniakoski.
0: First try. Yep. Uh, and it is uh, set in December twenty two fifty six. There are some flashbacks to the twenty two forties. Flashbacks, quote unquote. Oh, the the banging twenty two forties. You know it. You know it. A uh, little bit of trivia about uh, this episode. Aside from Brian Fuller, who worked on Voyager and um, some DS nine. This is our first episode uh, with the involvement of someone who has written uh, for Star Trek Friar. This uh, is Joe Minoski.
1: You've got Joe Minoski's memory alpha
0: page up, don't
1: you? You're gonna so tell Joe us some Minoski hits. has 57 Star Trek credits, including being executive story editor for season four of TNG. Uh, he's written such episodes as Clues, First Contact, Darmok, Times Arrow, Our Favorite Masks.
0: Yes! masks
1: Uh, solo riding credit (laughs) voyager hits such as the year of hell oh hey people like that one yeah there's a lot of voyager stuff i'm not going to shout them out scorpion other famous voyager episode Uh, there's a lot of voyager stuff here too um so yeah we're talking about someone deep in the star trek coming back Worked with brian fuller on voyager episodes (laughs) and he's back here so yeah
0: so that this means big, this episode has to be good, right? This mean this I mean we both love this episode.
1: Spoilers. No. It's a setup for this episode to be disappointing, but this is actually my favorite episode of discovery so far. It's
0: it's so deep on its Star Trek bullshit. Anyone who is like, "Oh, this show is not Star Trek enough," has probably got to shut up after this because
1: oh my word. Do you want me to do the summary of what happens in this episode, yeah, Jackson? Let's quickly run down what happens. Okay, so Sarek is going on a secret mission and with his adjunct, who adjunct turns out to be a logic extremist who blows up the ship to prevent Sarek from further contaminating the Vulcan race. There's a lot of racial purity stuff going on in Discovery uh, so far. Um, Gabriel Lorca and Ash Tyler, who we rescued last episode, are now best buds. They're in like the holodeck things, shooting a bunch of Klingons in a VR shooting gallery. Uh, apparently they got vibes for Christmas. It's great. Uh, Their best buds. Everyone on the ship is in love with Ash Tyler. He is just the coolest. Clearly, uh, Tilly thinks he's hot. Lorca thinks he's the best. He's now the new security chief. Maybe? Guess I don't know. Um, uh, yes, anyway. that, is, that happens.
0: That is confirmed. Yes,
1: I know, but like it's he, we haven't seen him on the bridge be security yet. We haven't really seen anyone on the bridge be anything. Yeah, that's true. Uh, while there is an awkward meeting between Michael Burnham and Ash Tyler, Michael Burnham falls over in distress. She is having a one of her psychic links with Sarek things where she feels that he's in distress and is unconscious and calling out to her. And she's like, I've got to go save him. And uh, Gabriel Lorca is like, yeah, no, let's go do that. Fine. Uh, because I, Lorca is chill. I don't know. It seems like he's come out now that he's got a new best friend. He seems a little more mellow yeah. uh, this episode. Anyway, they transport to the edge of a nebula, and they're like, well, we need to go in and find Sarek, but the ship cannot go into the nebula because the nebula would interact with the mycelium spores and blow up everything. So Burnham, Tilly, and Ash Tyler all get in a shuttle with a neural interface that would allow her to, like... It basically is like a fake mind meld that allows her to, like, channel into Sarek's mind. Uh, the. Uh, yeah, well, I want to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, you know, we'll I'll get into it anyway. It they that. go they go into the thing. Meanwhile, Admiral Cornwell, from last episode, the lady who's been very nice and hates that Lorca sucks, uh, shows up and is like, Lorca, you really suck. You cannot have this guy who's been tortured for seven months, your new chief officer on the ship that is like the most important thing in the world. And he's like, yeah, well, let's have a drink and let's sleep together and forget about it. Uh, and they do. And they do. And then he, like, she's, at night, she's, like, looking at scars on his back from him being tortured. She's worried about his mental state. And she touches them, and he freaks out, and he pulls a phaser on her and, like, chokes her. Like, he wakes up startled, and uh, she's like, you're not the man I thought you were. I'm going to remove you from this ship. You are not able to be in charge of this thing. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, uh, Burnham goes into Sarek's mind, in which she encounters uh, like her one of her worst moments in her youth, in which she was denied access to the Vul- Vulcan Expeditionary Force, which I'm pretty sure was always called the Vulcan Science Academy, but I don't know the first thing about Vulcans, so. Whatever. Uh, it's like the Vulcan Starfleet. It's the thing Spock said he wouldn't go do. And that is an important plot point because as she goes in multiple times and gets ejected from Sarek's mind, what she actually finds out is that in his dying moments, Sarek is reflecting on his biggest failure, which is a time in which when Burnham took the test to get into the Vulcan Science Academy, the Vulcans were like, well, one of your children can come in because one of them's human, one of them's half human. And we don't want any dirty humans polluting our academy, but we'll let one in so you have to pick who it is. And Sarek picked Spock, and then when Spock grew up, Spock went off to Starfleet, estranging him from his father forever. Uh, knowing that, she talks to Sarek and gets him to wake up and hit his transponder signal. They find him and get him back. Uh, he is too injured for his mission, however, which was to meet with some Klingons who were going to negotiate a like maybe a peace treaty because they were not included in Cole's new... I'm gonna unite the cows' this thing, and they were feeling uh, sour about it. So Admiral Cornwall goes instead, and saying, "When I get back, I'm gonna remove you, Gabriel Lorca." And he's like, "Okay." Anyway, she goes there. It's clearly a trap. She is captured by the Klingons, and Gabriel Lorca, when Saru tells him, is like, hmm, "Let's ask Starfleet if we should go rescue her." At ominous ending. The end. <laughs>
0: It's uh it's a good episode. You got your A plot, you got your B plot, you got uh some like a political intrigue, you've got some character beats, you've got nonsense uh involving someone's mind and ridiculous science that allows minds to like they make the idea of mind melds across space like something physical and real in this
1: episode, which is crazy. Uh, no, Serik when when Serik protected her in the bombing or whatever, he did a cotra graft to help hold her mind together. Exactly. So now yes. they're Sarah's psychic link forever and ever. Cuz in the first episode, um or in the
0: second episode it was when uh he shows up again um and they like link in, in the in the cell. We were like, "Oh, we're reading this as like a pro- he's not uh actually there with her. Like this is uh Burnham talking to uh, a projection of somewhat like a memory like it's all happening inside burnham's mind It was how we remember like we read that but that's not true at all it's actually they can talk to each other from anywhere all the time if they are like in enough trauma
1: yes but only because of the special thing that vulcans don't usually do yes only because of the katra link the uh the, the katra graft it is not just a Sorry. mind meld that did it
0: no that's, that's that's a deeper next level ssj mind
1: meld so let's let's work up from the things that don't matter to the things that do paul stamets is high as shit on his he's mushrooms so now. high
0: on his <laughs> mushrooms like every time they do a jump he gets into the mushroom booth and communes with his mushrooms and he's fucking high on those
1: mushrooms Yep. Now now he's into it. Uh, the one up ep- the one scene is him like being very excited about the idea of Katra cuz he's like, "Oh, a consciousness that like ignores time and space, you can tap into it. That's really groovy." And Lorca's like, "We have zero time for this. Please just tell me if you can help make an interface." <laughs> and he can. He needs does. But he is so high. It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, no, he's been really uptight and now he is just the chill chillest man in the world. And uh, they do not address the fact that there was a weird mirror ghost in his bedroom last episode. I wonder where that's going. Yeah, I wonder where that's going. Next most important thing. The computer is an asshole. The computer fucking (laughs) sucks. The computer, like, negs you about your food and to be fair this this seems semi in line with the like the weird computer voice that would happen on the enterprise sometimes where we just it just add in like a twist of something that would like you wouldn't see in TNG but in TOS they didn't have an idea of what the computer could and couldn't do sometimes the computer's a little chattier than it should be this computer when you order from the replicator is like oh green tea a very healthy choice it has antioxidants
0: yeah and like uh Burnham's coaching
1: Tilly to become a captain says like oh you need to have this you need to have this on the list of important things (laughs) Tilly and Burnham is much higher than this
0: yeah but you can't bring up that without that I'll wait I'll wait I'll wait
1: okay okay Sarek is flying a ship that looks like the ship from uh Enterprise the big Vulcan cruiser it doesn't have the attack of the clones warp ring yet or anymore they've just incorporated that into the ship but otherwise it looks exactly the same it's identical god yeah. it's beautiful yeah, it's really cool vulcan itself is really neat we meet amanda amanda's cool Yes. amanda do. is played by let me scroll down to find the actress's name uh mia Kirshner. who destiny was very happy about because uh i think she was on the l word yes the so. l word is
0: where everyone on twitter is losing uh their minds about that is the thing anyone who cares yeah. cares a lot so i uh, assume very important to that
1: they have introduced the concept of asian vulcans now which is cool Yes, I'm very excited about that. Uh, so yeah, I guess we can talk about Tilly and Burnham. Tilly and Burnham open up jogging through the Discovery wearing t-shirts that say Disco on them. Disco! And, <laughs> and Burnham's like, you need to get faster if you want to be a captain. You need to get yourself a commendation so you can be transferred to a ship like the Enterprise where like, shit actually gets done, not this Black Ops bullshit ship like this. Uh, and I love... I want them to incorporate this ship into like the idea of TOS, Star Trek, more and more. I love the ways in which it makes everything really messy. It really does. Somewhere out there, Christopher Pike is flying the Enterprise and being condescending toward women, and yet Tilly and Burnham are over here jogging through the ship, talking about how she needs to get onto that ship. <laughs> and the ways in which that doesn't work are really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, no, I I just want, I want this to be a fully explored part of the timeline yep. in the most interesting of ways. It's great. It's great!
1: Yep. Uh, so Tilly's got to get faster because she's got to be good at everything if she wants to be captain Burnham's going to teach her how to be the best captain she can be uh, Tilly meanwhile has the hots for Ash Tyler because everyone has the hots for Ash Tyler he's hot shit on the Discovery
0: uh, yeah so uh, he's clearly a Klingon spy <laughs>
1: so, we, so last episode we talked about how the timeline doesn't match up where he clearly couldn't have been like on that ship like being like uh, Lorel's like favored prisoner boy for seven months because Laurel was in the Klingo- the graveyard of the Battle of the Binary Stars for six months, so she literally could only be there for like maybe like three weeks, uh, and yet she was there and he was there which means he's really suspect in that he might just be a klingon in disguise and i think it was after the recording jackson he said what if it's valk and i was like no that can't be true and then I, was it io9 who ran a story yeah there's like a,
0: I, I haven't looked too deeply into it because i yes. like, don't want to spoil myself on other stuff accidentally so, but so, there was a
1: headline so the thing that is known is that the guy who's play who plays ash tyler let me find his name right now um let me scroll down. Uh, Shazad Latif was when he was like, question, when he was interviewed, like in the lead up to the show, was like, yeah, I originally uh, auditioned to be a Klingon. And then they decided to put me on the actual ship. And it's great. And then the actor who plays Vok, whose name I don't have because he's not in this episode. And I'm just looking at the memory alpha, is... Uh, Has no credits to their name and isn't part of the junket or anything, and so there's a rumor going around that that actor doesn't exist and that Shazad Latif is playing both characters and that Ash Tyler is Vok in disguise, much like uh, *Trouble with Tribbles*, in which a Klingon is like physically altered to appear human and is just on the ship as a Klingon spy.
0: There's a news a news story from uh, April that says *Star Trek Discovery* switches an actor's role mid-production. Uh, and the tone of the uh, tone of the story is like, oh, what's going on over there? This must be a disaster, and not, oh, he's a Klingon spy.
1: <laughs> so, even even without like that sort of like behind the scenes going on in this episode, he immediately lies to Lorca about how good he is firing a phaser, and then was like, I'm just trying to make you feel better, Captain. Lorca's like, Don't do that. Don't apologize for excellence. That's literally lying. Don't apologize for excellence. Because Lorca's ridiculous. Like, don't um, apologize for excellence. I want my
0: chief of security to shoot better than me.
1: Meanwhile, Lorca is grilling him on where he grew up and stuff like Lorca clearly has suspicions and his and uh, Ash Tyler's story doesn't entirely line up, but not in a way that is like a problem. Like, like he's like, he's like, oh, you didn't, you don't actually live in Seattle. You live like 45 kilometers out of Seattle. I wouldn't call that living in Seattle. I would call that living in Seattle. If you're talking to someone who doesn't know what Seattle is, like what is in the suburbs of Seattle. Yep. And to be fair, that is his point. He's like, yeah, you know what? You know how it is. Yeah. Anyway, um, my parents are conveniently dead, and my my parents are conveniently dead. Uh, and I'm gonna be really interested in Michael Burnham when I meet her. I'm gonna pound the table for emphasis, and then we're gonna talk a lot about how weird it is to be human <laughs> together <laughs> for the rest we of have the a episode. a conversation
0: at the end where like he is a
1: sound like Michael Burnham's having saying some things like
0: wrapping up the themes of the episode, uh, in like some kind of awkward ways. And he basically responds with the Star Trek script sounding board, like no personality, just. "'That's what it means to be human, Burnham.' nodding at her like he is an entity in this episode for other characters to project onto react to, but he has no character they are clearly doing this on purpose either he is definitely vok and that's just a true thing or they at least want people to think that because they're being so obvious about it so yeah. who knows where this is going what yes if they, level if they were playing bullshit. actual
1: three-dimensional chess <laughs> with this i would be very excited and he's not he's just a guy who's happens to be kind of weird but they want you to think he's what if he's just a guy Yep. yeah <laughs> <clears throat> mm. So She goes to find Sarek Sarek is in a nebula That nebula is an amazing psychedelic masterpiece It's so good Yes uh, This show has
0: money And it yeah. is the future So they're just going to have like Not that many shots A lot, of, Most of the shots in the shuttle when they go into the nebula are from like don't have any of the windows in, but whenever you can see through out into the nebula, it's just the most beautiful thing. Just like yep. purples and pinks
1: rushing past the windows, it's the best. Serek and Burnham get into a fist fight in Serek's mind, and then Cerek punches her so hard she like discorporates out of his brain. <laughs> yep. Yeah. She is punched out of his mind. With, like, a ridiculous effect where it's just ghosts of her, like, radiating backwards out of his brain.
0: Yeah, no, I immediately knew I had to screen cap that. It's so, so good.
1: Uh, From the writer of masks. uh, From the writer of masks. That that vase is not to Riker's taste, Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) It is not not to Riker's taste. Uh, No, it wasn't. To be fair, it was not. To be fair, yes,
0: no. uh, Riker's taste in vases. That was not on it.
1: So let's talk about the actual two plots that matter here. Let's talk yes. about Lorca first. Okay. So Lorca, like Lorca's got a lot going on. Like he lost the Busan and then he got the discovery and then he was captured. The, 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 the baron, not the Busan. The Buran, sorry, not the Busan, the Buran. Uh, he, he lost the baron, and then he was captured. And then he, come, he comes out and he's immediately back in business. And uh, his friend, the Admiral, is worried about him. Uh, and when she's like, you can't just bring Burnham on. You can't bring Ash Tyler. And we don't know if he's like traumatized, if he's been broken, is working for the Klingons. And he's like, look, rules are for admirals, (laughs) which is true. But when you say it like that, it sounds evil. Yeah. The the problem isn't that
0: he is Evil in this episode, or at least how he is being portrayed right now, it is that he knows the rules of Star Trek and yep. thus just like th- breaks the entire illusion of what Starfleet is. Yeah.
1: So we have the situation in which like she's trying to grill him, and then he, and then when he pushes back, he's like, "What? What are you trying to do? Are you here to like relieve me of my command or whatever?" And she's like, "No, no, I just want to talk to you as a friend." He's like, "Well, let's talk as friends then." And he brings out a bottle of scotch and they get drunk. And then they're talking about their past, and she's like, oh, remember that time we went to this meteor shower or whatever? And he's like, no. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, and it's played in a double sense of maybe he's forgotten, but also there's this long-standing rumor that everyone has that I thought was stupid until this episode that maybe this Lorca is from the Mirror Universe. Yeah. Which you, a... you have been firmly against, and I was firmly against until this episode.
0: No, but then, like, so we talked about this... Um... Uh, I think we should get to the next scene and how like and yeah. this plot so, ends up going. So yeah, they're they're in. like
1: talking and he's traumatized, or whatever. And then they have they have like this interlude where they're like, he- he's like, if you're trying to psychoanalyze me and I have an hour, I can think of a better way to spend an hour. And then they take off their com badges and we next see them in bed, uh, and she's like touching his back and there's like a scar she has not recognized. It's like a weird triangle brand, um, and when she touches it, that's when he freaks out and pulls a phaser on her. And, uh, she is obviously upset by this. And is just like, I don't understand you. You passed all of the, the psychological tests that we did when you were like, when you lost the brand and when you, uh, became captain or when you came back and everything, you passed them all. But like, you clearly are not okay. So that means you lied on the test. That means that you're capable of anything. And I don't know you anymore. Uh, and basically storms out. And uh, you, you get this
0: moment with uh, yeah. with those two, where she's like, "This isn't okay. This is fucked. You're fucked." And basically, he's like, "I'm begging you, don't take my ship from me. It's all I like, got. Oh, I'm a starfleet captain," and, um, position uh, like pivoting from, oh, uh, Lorca's the mysterious evil captain to like getting to know him and him just being completely broken is not the direction I expected, but I'm very very happy with it. I'm glad that's the way they've gone.
1: Yeah, but well, it it leads to like enough evidence where. Like, I could accept an explanation that this Lorca might be from the Universe. The likely place where he would have come over is where the Baran is lost. Like, maybe Gabriel Lorca did go down with the ship, and then they found this guy floating for whatever reason. They can contrive any reason. I don't really care what that is. And they were like, oh, it's Lorca. And he's like, yes, I'm Lorca. And is suddenly, like, thrust the situation where, like, he's commended for whatever went on and has been given a new ship and... Now he's like, well, this place sucks a lot less than the universe I came from. I might as well, like, make the best of it. And he's trying very hard to make the best of it as the one person from the Mirror Universe trying to live a life of a man he never met. Uh, Uh, And I think that would be really cool. I I think that would
0: be very cool. The thing I liked about that was, like, the thing that that I thought was dumb about the theory is that it doesn't, like, add anything. It's just, oh, he's evil because he's from the Mirror Universe or whatever. Uh, But... With the context of the character development they gave to Lorca this week, uh <laughs> that theory becomes more like, oh, what if instead of him being evil, he's actually like already had his I'm not evil moment, but from a place that's so much worse that when he comes and tries to fit in the prime universe, he's like completely fucked. Uh that I don't know if that's actually the way they're gonna go with it. There are ten billion different ways they can do this, but we know there is confirmed mirror universe stuff. They end both of the last two episodes uh on like shots of people reflected in mirrors being sinister there's been like references to mirrors throughout the show like there's, it's clearly going there and they've said as much that there are quote multiple mirror universe episodes we don't know what that means does it mean that they're going there does it mean that there's like that concept is central to the show we don't no one knows yet but there are ways it could be very interesting
1: yeah um and then we just had a debate before we recorded about whether or not Lorca knew he was sending Admiral Cornwall into a trap when he was like, no, go meet the Klingons. Like, Sarah can't do it, but you have to. I know that she'll do it. She believes in peace. There's a shot once she gets on the shuttle after that he's like, um... Where it's just him, like, walking framed by the entire shuttle bay?
0: Yeah, as it's,
1: like, sinister music, she's not gonna come back, like, uh... And and we know that because we've seen Star Trek before, but does Lorcan know that? (laughs)
0: I don't know. Like, So they have the moment where Sarah's like, oh, we should probably go and rescue her. And he's like, no, I'm going to be the good thing. I'm, we're going to wait for orders. We can't, So, is as big as so, all of us. So to be
1: fair, Sarah wakes up Lorca, like goes to his quarters. It's seemingly in the middle of the night. It's hard to tell because Lorca's always in darkness because of his eye thing. But uh, like, it's a really quiet moment that plays as like, oh, he was in bed or whatever. And so he's like, oh, it's been, he's been taken. She's been taken. Should we go rescue her? He's like, contact Starfleet. We'll go if they say, Okay. But if not, what if we lead the Discovery into another trap? Like, what if Cornwell is a trap to get Discovery? This ship's bigger than all of us. Which, to be fair, is in line with the way he felt like this is the only thing I have left. Discovery is, like, the most important thing. Uh, So maybe that's genuine. Uh, and then Saru's like, okay, and walks away, because Saru uh, gets to do nothing in this episode, really. Uh, oh. And then it pans to Lorca, like, standing in front of a window, like, re- reflected in the mirror. But then when you look down, he has a phaser, like, in his belt, as if now he's just openly carrying a phaser tucked in the back of his pants for at all times. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, he's
0: totally, like, the, the episode is played for that to be ambiguous. Like, the, you are meant to have the question of all, oh, is he, like actively evil is he sending people to their death is he uh just being kind of like reactive and trying to make the best out of a situation that can keep command where is he on the evil scale uh and they want you to keep guessing because i'm assuming at some point they will have the proper reveal of his whole deal like that's what this show is building to Um, but i hope he is less evil I like yeah, him more as just a sad, traumatized dude. Yeah, because
1: at the end of this episode, he offers, like, he, he gives Ash Tyler, like, the chief of security, but then when he sends Ash out with Burnham, he's like, bring her back in one piece. And he's like, no, don't worry, sir, not a scratch on her, referring to the shuttle. And then he's like, no, that's not what I, who I was talking about, and looks back at Burnham. And then after that, he offers Burnham a place as, like, a science officer on the bridge, and... Like, Burnham's, like, legitimately moved that he has followed through on giving her a second chance, believing in her when necessary, letting her go rescue Sarek, uh, and then, like, offering her this, that she's like, I, I'm i happy to serve under a captain like you. And at this point, he's done enough things that I kind of, like, I feel like it's earned, and I don't want him to just be a villain. Yep, no, for sure. That's, that's where I am as well. Like, they, I guess
0: they could just have him be super evil, but they, like, it is a lot that we have been able to walk back that oh he's clearly evil from yeah uh, no this has been three. four
1: episodes and this is where we're at
0: this show is really good <laughs> yeah no the way it has filled this stuff in so quickly is kind of
1: incredible no so that leaves us burnham and serik uh or like uh, i was gonna say just serik but no actually there's really good burnham stuff here too there's so, really
0: good burnham stuff
1: so yes there's burnham like being rejected from the Vulcan expeditionary force. And in that moment, she is like clearly super ashamed and like sad that she has failed and failed her father because she refers to herself as Sarek's great experiment that humans can be equal to Vulcans because the Vulcans continue. And have always had that mindset that like humans are scrappy upstarts and they get a lot of shit done, but they're kind of dumb and they're very impulsive and we kind of like have to parent them around the galaxy. Uh, that's been true in Enterprise. That was true in the original series. It continues to be true here, um, and, and like failing her father in that way is a real bummer to her. And like she she can't see past that until like Ash Tyler gives her a speech, and then she goes and like listens to what happens to Seric in that moment, and Seric be confronted with like the racism of his own people, and then making a choice that he realize like he realizes he knows is the wrong one. Was an unfair choice to make, and then still not telling her because he thought, oh, I need to protect her from this choice that I know would hurt her feelings. Uh, Even though he can't even admit that he knew it would hurt her feelings. Is really good. Uh, Sarek continues
0: to be extremely Sarek. Uh, nope. And then she, there's like a. So she goes in and basically goes, uh y- You are being a shit. You are pretending this isn't existing. You're like ignoring the problem because you're Saric, But uh you can't wait around forever and you can't like lie to me. So fuck you, dad. And then it's just a shot of him basically staring at the camera like, boom bum, bum. bum she, didn't ba, say ba, ba. You. she
1: basically said, One day we'll have this conversation, dad. And then walked out. Bum, 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 bum. He stares at the camera for a full 5 seconds. It's like, hilarious. It's so it's so weird because like Sarek is re- like because of because of like journey to Babel, because of the episode Sarek and TNG, because of everything we've seen, we know Sarek is a character that understands like understands emotion better than maybe any like pure-blooded Vulcan in like all of Star Trek. Uh you could make an argument for it to Paul, but that's kind of outside the scope of what we're talking about right here. Um and yet he seems he is incapable of bridging that himself, but he, because he has two human wives, because he has an adopted human daughter and a half human son, you get the sense that he understands that like humanity and emotion is the path forward. Like understanding emotion has to be part of going forward because humanity has managed to pull themselves up from living in tents to going into space in less than a Vulcan lifetime. And Vulcans have been kind of puttering around the galaxy for thousands of years, accomplishing not actually that much. No, just kind of keeping everything organized. Yeah. And so when everyone else is like, oh, these humans, we can't have them interfacing with Vulcan society that deeply. Uh, Sarek's like, no, no, no. We need to like make sure that humanity is seen as equal to Vulcans. They are the future. And that follows through through all of Star Trek. 50 years of Sarek like, clearly acting the coldest, but understanding that humanity has its merits. In a way that, like, sometimes humans don't understand, but Sarah clearly has an agenda and goal, but he can't allow himself to have it. And it's, like, really sad. And the the way way that that feeds into, like, the ways in which Star Trek acts around Vulcans specifically, as, like, in many ways, from the beginning, they were, like, the Star Trek race, right? Like, there's a Vulcan on the ship. You don't, you know, Klingons might just be pirates, but uh, the Vulcan gets all of the character development uh, to where they are. Go ahead. Oh, no, you can, you can finish a thought. Oh, yeah. And then, like, we spent all of mid-period track, like TNG and DS9 and Voyager, with Vulcans being kind of, like, the butt of jokes, where, like, you know, you you have uh, DS9 episodes where they are just made a mockery of, and you have Tuvok kind of just being, like, Janeway's, like, confidant friend that she hangs out with and asks advice for, uh, because he's the one who's wise and can meditate and whatever, to Sarek can't actually admit to his daughter that they feel the same thing about this situation that happened to them 20 years ago sucks yeah it's a bummer it really sucks like uh the i
0: vulcans as as a like um race in star trek like definitely got short shrift in the tng era because data took all the spock stuff uh, yeah uh
1: well, also, and, like, s- s- Vulcan stuff had taken up so much of the original series. Like, I get why you wanted to move away from that. But it's
0: it, but it's also, like, iconic and very defined. Like, Vulcans have the logic thing. That is what their deal is. They are defined in that way. And so most of, as you say, like, it's about making that definition try to fit in with a universe that's bigger than it. And it always goes ridiculous. Uh, yep. And then they try something else in Enterprise because um, it's basically about humans belligerently... Uh, forcing the universe to come together like that's what the stuff with how they interact with the vulcans and the andorians are in that show yeah like humans form the federation like by breaking down like the way the vulcans and the andorians start out in that show is not they should not in any world be forming the federation in like seven years that's not a possible thing yeah but it happens through the sheer force of uh archer's will basically (laughs) um And so here, like, having, uh, come from that and having, like, years of, oh, what, what are Vulcans? And it's the way that Star Trek is represented to people who don't even watch it. Like, people know who the Vulcans are, like, in the way that that is not true of other Star Trek races uh and then having an episode where you actually understand being one and feel for them and it's not like forced or a joke it was very very good to see like that moment was kind of obvious but the way in which it landed of it being like a choice rather than him just lying uh of the fact that spock then ignores uh that choice and goes and throws into the uh throws away and goes into starfleet like it backfills into journey of Babel really well it they added character development to spock in a way that doesn't feel like force i this show's excellent i don't know how they did it
1: (laughs) yep it does answer also the question that we had of how old is spock spock is clearly younger than michael burnham at this point yes uh which is interesting Uh, i guess that makes sense given that spock is alive in the tng era yep yeah um But yeah, also, it it gives Michael Burnham this great moment where she, like, at the end of the day, she's, like, just reflecting her feelings off of Ash in, like, the empty, uh, like, canteen or whatever. And she's like, I, like, it's not about him, it's not about the fact that I failed him, it's about the fact that he can never give me the thing I need, even though he's my parent. And I'm, like, I'm sad about it, but I'm actually okay now that I can admit that to myself. And it's weird to just have both things exist in my head. And that's when Ash Tyler's like, well, that's what it means to be human. It's like, how would you know what it means to be human, Ash Tyler? <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's it's a good moment, and it's well-earned for her. And yeah, the ways in which Sarek becomes like the linchpin around which a like, hundred years of Star Trek revolves is really interesting. I, I really like it. And the fact that we know that in...
0: A 100 or so years, he's gonna break down from the fact that his emotions can't, like, he gets, oh, he dies by being overwhelmed by them, essentially. Yep. And needs, like, a human
1: to shoulder the burden. It's,
0: uh, It's really good. It's, like, so many disparate authors and concepts coming out, like, across this one character. None of this was created with, like, the intention of ever feeding in like this. Also,
1: it... we're talking about three episodes of Star Trek.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> like he's in more i think he's in like f- five oh yeah no, no no
1: yeah he's in like two i think he's in two episodes of the original series maybe three he's in two episodes so far of discovery he's in two episodes of tng and he's i think he's probably in the anime series and then he's like in the movies i guess but um like we're talking about a character that like is being written as like the development has been written over 50 years and the episodes are pulling from are basically three episodes that are almost 50 years apart it's it's remarkable
0: uh, yeah. I'm very happy that Star Trek is what it is and continues to like build on its ridiculous lore uh, that could only exist because it's like started out in the 60s as a bunch of television scripts that weren't really intended to go much further than they were. Like, yeah. the fact... that You couldn't do this with a series that you just made. It has to come from layering uh, things on top of each other and seeing what falls out. Like, you have to just be messy about it, and that's why it's interesting.
1: Yeah, like inherently, like, part of the reason we do this podcast is because, like, we could go and read a bunch of sci-fi books, and they'd probably be better than the Star Trek books we read. (laughs) They probably would be. the fact that it's people playing in this playground of, like, pop culture that has literally existed for half a century makes it, like, adds layers of interest. It is why fan works are important. And that's basically what the Star Trek books are. They are, like, licensed fan works of people writing the cool shit they want to happen to characters they like in situations they like. And as star trek goes on and we have people who like the person who wrote this worked on star trek 30 years ago uh we still have that like we have people who love star trek going coming back to star trek and bringing new ideas to it and like that's 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 why star trek's cool (laughs) like straight up
0: yes uh it is the things that like the thing i realized like reading the books and stuff is it's basically the thing that is cool about uh comics and like you know marvel or dc superhero comics of oh you read a comic and then there's a big plot twist and the twist is uh oh it's this guy from this thing 30 years ago that's now relevant again you remember this like the has that well to pull from uh but because it's uh got these levels of you know the g canon like the books are not on the same levels as the fucking shows uh which means that you're not drowning in just arbitrary ridiculous nonsense like you are with comics um And it's also just slightly more thematically driven uh, than, like, comics are too broad. The Marvel Universe has everything in it because it has to have everything in it. Uh, I know there are less broad universes that maybe I would get into if I enjoyed that. But no, I'm into Star Trek. That's the one for me. I'm not going to get into another one in the same way. Fucking watching these shows for
1: 20 years. Yeah. But also, like, to me, this, like, the thing that this, doing this has revealed to me is, like, how important fan work can be. And Discovery is, like, a multi-million dollar show created by CBS to, like, launch their own streaming service. They wanted Game of Thrones, but Star Trek. So it's ridiculous to talk about in in that way. But the original series talks about how women can't be captains because it was made in fucking 1968 and yet in this episode Serik's black human daughter is coaching a lady into how to be a captain when she is a cadet and it's amazing like
0: yeah no you fuck you're right it's crazy <laughs> it's it's fantastic
1: uh i i'm i don't know i i this episode was a lot i had a lot of feels and i'm really glad it exists i'm glad we're doing this um because yeah. sitting down and talking about these things makes me appreciate it all that much more
0: yeah. so here's the other question that i realized during our discussion on Vark that I didn't want to interrupt anything to bring up. But yes, we need to bring it up. With the assumption that uh, Ash, Tyler, and Vark are the same character. Yes. Does Ash know?
1: Know what?
0: Is that like a is is the reveal going to be that he's a Klingon spy, or is it going to be that he's a Klingon spy and doesn't even know he's a Klingon spy? Uh
1: I don't think that makes any sense to me. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I like if he went through some intense thing with the matriarchs of whatever house he went to. It could just be that he is he has been changed as who he is as a person, right? Like his idea is ultimately to. Like, because his goal is not necessarily to win the war at this point. His goal is to stop Cole. Because Cole stole his technology, took his position, and is now united the Klingon Empire. Like, he needs the Klingon Empire destabilized one way or another. And that's, like, the thing him and Laurel said the last time we saw them was, like, we're going to have to make a grand gesture if we're going to, like, regain control of the Klingon Empire. Because fighting the Federation isn't going to, like, solve the problem we have now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. But I... I don't know. I just thought that maybe the way they go with it is like Ash doesn't even realize he'd like they sail on it, I guess. I don't know. I'd...
1: I I assume the his grand gesture is to get Michael Burnham to take out Cole and then reestablish himself as the head of the Klingon Empire.
0: Mhm. Maybe.
1: We'll see. I I don't know. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't know either. I it's... I would like it a lot less if he doesn't know. I no, I just don't too. think that's interesting.
0: I also don't think that's as good, but uh I can't tell whether Ash is like lying or whether
1: he's just kind of that broad like, but like the the idea that like Ash ha- like that Vok is masquerading as a human but is also genuinely making friends with the discovery crew is really interesting to me. That's my assumption of the thing
0: they're doing. But then the other way is oh I've genuinely made friends and now I find out I'm a Klingon, which is I guess the thing that happens in Battlestar Galactica. I haven't watched that show past like four yeah, episodes. I just I
1: just don't want I just don't think that's interesting to me. Like maybe mm-hmm. they can make it interesting. It's just not what I'm looking for out of Star Trek. Yep.
0: There's uh yeah, we've got like nine episodes of the season left uh be- I- between this and after the break Yep. there's a lot of stuff to get through we've got to do the mirror universe stuff got to clear up everything with the klingons because i assume the bulk of the klingon war will be dealt with by the end of the first season
1: what i would what i so this is my prediction at the like little past one third point is that if that's if it's true and the thrust of this is like we're gonna get we're gonna get coal out of power And then Valk is going to betray them and, like, ascend to the Klingon houses. Maybe that leads to, like, a tenuous ceasefire where, like, the Klingon Empire is still a threat and they will continue to be a threat through the original series. But because of his experiences on Discovery, Valk is like, no, we're not going to, like, actively fuck with Starfleet in that way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we shall see. We'll see which way this goes. I I don't know, because they're not going to be at peace at the end of the show in like a proper way no no they can't later. be at peace
1: they're not at peace until like kittimer and even then it's tenuous yeah so we have two questions today jackson we do have two questions ask them for us um from at pidmon on twitter uh pitching this from the past how does it com- how does uh discovery so far compare to the first seasons of tng and ds9 it's, well, so <laughs> it's so much better. It's so much better. DS9 has an incredible pilot and then kind of meanders for 20 episodes until the very end. Like, Duet is great. And, like, the finale with, like, Kai, or with um, Vedic Win and, uh, the, like, Keiko's school. That stuff is really good. Um, but I most of season school. one is very meandering. Um, and then the first season of TNG is Encounter for a Point, which is a fine episode, Then Naked Now, where everyone is drunk and acting out of character in Data Fox. Then Space Racism. (laughs) Like, it's just a cavalcade of the worst fucking bullshit. Uh, It is amazing that that show continued to exist past its first season.
0: Yeah, no show in television ever is going to get the chances that TNG got to, like, right the ship and uh, fix the problems and figure out what it was. Like, that show got, like, two seasons of being kind of rough, and it got better along the way. There are episodes in season one and two that I really like.
1: Um, i think like, there's a pretty i think there's a lot of good season two episodes to oh be no part. me
0: too but like discovery had to be good immediately
1: or it'd be like if,
0: imagine if those first two episodes were just bad
1: yeah it'd be dead like, it'd be fucking dead and when people talk about the way in which discovery is like oh it's not star trek enough and it's not like the show i know the show they are talking about are their favorite 20 episodes over a hundred and like 70 episodes over seven seasons and there's no space for that on
0: television anymore. You can't have that uh, in a in a big-budget space
1: show. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so far, I'm really impressed with Discovery. Like, not every episode is, like, a banger. Uh, like, I still think in many ways I wish this show was about other things. But what they're doing, they're doing really well. And they are making it really interesting. And I really like it so far. Yes.
0: Like, there are things I would like to see from Star Trek shows in the modern era. But uh i'm still kind of taken off guard by how good this is and at doing the thing it wants to do like we just got a like Sarak episode that you know we just talked about that it's crazy how does this exist
1: next question is from my friend patrick it is probably not something for the podcast well we're gonna answer on the podcast but lorca's Tribble is still mia i'm worried for it maybe sorry i forgot to feed it while lorca was gone that Tribble is not around only for you to forget about it so it can spot that Ash Tyler is the Klingon imposter in, like, three episodes. Yep. You know they're going to do
0: it. You know that's exactly yep. what it exists for. Yeah,
1: no, 100%. Come on. Like, episode three, when we did that episode, I was like, oh, that the Tribble's there to, like, wage psychological warfare on everyone. And now it's clearly just going to pick out the Klingon spy. <laughs>
0: uh it could also be doing the other thing but that's not uh, I, that's not the reason I, it's there now. you know what
1: like in the intervening episodes i just don't think Lorca is like that conniving no
0: no you're right <laughs> yeah no the curtain being pulled back on lorca he is too much of a trauma boy
1: yeah uh so that's it this has been a longer episode than i wanted to have but uh, yes. there was a lot going on yes there was yes there was if you wanted to send us uh, questions and comments, uh, go to podcast.abnormalmapping.com. Send us an email. Um, we will be recording another these next week. A, our, an actual episode of SOS will be out in two weeks, right? Maybe? We haven't decided yet. It'll either be out next Tuesday or the Tuesday after that.
0: It'll be we'll out. It. No,
1: that'll be out on the 7th. Oh, right. The 7th. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We're recording it next Sunday. So look forward to that. We've both we, finished there the, book. Is the- there is the most amazing bullshit in the world in the next book. And if you've seen the end of DS9 and you've been following along, everything I could have ever wanted has been given to me in that book. <laughs> Something
0: happened in that book. And I we both reacted like this is one of the craziest things. By the end of the book, it was like the fifth craziest thing that happened in that book. There are yep. levels. We are so excited. It was made for us. Holy shit. <laughs> um, Jackson, where can people find the rest of our work? Uh, so you can find us at abnormalmapping.com we have a bunch of podcasts all with their own urls uh, we have abnormal mapping which is a game club podcast without uh, the hot takes and the topical discourses which talk about video games it's cool it's nice and accessible uh, it is at the best what do we have Ma- coming up on friday in that uh, on friday we have our final fantasy 10 episode uh, we played final fantasy 10 we talk about it for an hour and a half it's a very good episode it's a very good game these things are all, all true please check that out uh, me and Molly do The Amory Score, where we fucking subject ourselves to the comic of Coheed and Cambria's works. The Amory Wars. It's hell. It's good. It's a good podcast. Uh, comes off with there us. If
1: there's a bright center of sci-fi universes, coding and Cambria is the universe that it's farthest from. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the. For some reason, that one reference was like a very long walk. <laughs> That's fine. It was worth it. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, we have the Great Gundam Project, which is our Patreon-only podcast for people who subscribe for one dollar or more uh, a month. That is, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Amnor Mapping uh, and support the shows there. It's uh, it's worth it. It's very good. Please help what, us
1: out. You can tell people what the Great Gundam Project is.
0: The Great Gundam Project is a show where we watch Gundam
1: yeah two episodes a week every week forever forever and ever for eight years at least
0: we have fireside friends which is ryan's podcast that we host we've got some more stuff coming up oh my god it's good my
1: throat's really hurting okay (laughs) you're at head falls off on twitter i am em underscore being of course as always as jackson said support us patreon.com slash mapping. Uh, come back next week for another Discovery episode as we talk about, do you remember the name of the episode? Uh, the magic that makes a man go mad. Yes. If you've seen the preview, it's going to be a ridiculous time. Uh, sorry. Thanks, magic to make the sanest, make the sanest, man, sanest go man go mad. mad. There's a time loop and the, the Discovery blows up. It's the peak S- Star Trek. Star come Trek. Back. Come back. Until then, see you out there.